Hi, I'm Pat Caputo, along with Evan Jenkins, the webmaster. And uh, at 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit, we do a podcast every week. It's called Bustin' Balls. It's about drafts, prospects, and the future for all the four major team professional sports. And obviously, we focus a lot on the NFL draft. Don't forget to subscribe to us, like us, all those different things, wherever you get your podcasts. And Evan, the Combine, it's Combine Week. Uh, it's where they run around uh, and uh, get tested. And a lot of people get their first real glimpse of the draft simply from the combine. I mean, some people watch the senior bowl practices and some other things, uh, but the combine is the first thing that comes up here where it really gets into the weeds. Somebody will run a four or three or something. Mm-hmm. They'll move up. Somebody who's supposed to be really good doesn't run as well and they'll move back, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because it's really about how they play football ultimately. Some of the best cornerbacks and receivers in the league have been, you know, four, five, four, six runners. And some of the biggest busts have been those four, two, four, three guys. And I still can't figure out what the bench press means. If you got shorter arms, you can bench press a lot more. So, <laughs> and having longer arms is better for you if you're a lineman. So, uh, just looking at the, the draft as it is right now, uh, you know, I, I look at it. Everybody thinks Caleb Williams is going to go number one. Uh, are the Bears going to trade the pick? I just wrote a column here for odyssey.com on that uh, because Justin Fields is such a polarizing figure and uh, he could go somewhere and haunt the Bears big time. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I look, I love Caleb Williams as a player. I thought he played well this year. He had a bad game against Notre Dame that that was probably the most viewed game that he played all year. Uh, he had another game against Utah, which he hung in there like crazy, but got the crap beat out of him. And by the end of the year, he was sobbing in a towel because the season didn't go well. Uh, but actually, he played individually pretty well. I don't think Lincoln Riley, that'll be uh, something he'll put on his mantle as a great year as a coach out there. And defensively, that team was terrible. So it wasn't on Caleb Williams. He played well. So I still like him as a number one pick. Uh, and I, it's between Drake May and Jaden Daniels. I like both of those guys quite a bit as quarterbacks. Uh, J.J. McCarthy's somebody that there's a diversity of opinion on among the quarterbacks. But what the most interesting position I find in this draft is wide receiver. It's possible, maybe even probable, that the first six picks will either be quarterbacks or wide receivers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Marvin Harrison from uh, Ohio State that a lot of people know about. And, you know, certainly his father was a great player, and he's a much bigger version of his father. And you have Malik Neighbors uh, from LSU, who's extraordinarily talented. And you have uh, uh, Romo Dunze from uh, Washington. If he runs a fast 40, he may vault above both those guys because he was an incredibly productive receiver. So it's just one of those situations where uh, it's going to sort out. And I think the combine will probably uh, separate some. Uh, And – the other part of the draft that's pretty deep, and there are going to be a lot of players taken early, I think, are cornerbacks. What do you think the value of cornerbacks is in the NFL? Because they rarely get taken that early, and when they do, it's kind of a polarizing pick, and I don't understand why, because it seems like it's maybe, in some ways, the most difficult position to actually fill. Yeah, and I mean, we know that all too well here in Detroit with the Lions taking Jeffrey Okuda third overall a few years ago. But it is, I mean, 
I mean, you can go all the way back to like Deion Sanders, who's like one of the the best at his position all time. And he was a fifth overall pick. And that was probably scrutinized at the time for being that high with the players. Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson yeah. was about the same time. And there weren't quarterback cornerbacks taken in the top five picks for many years. Nobody in when the you mentioned the Lions uh with Okuda, they they were in a position where uh, taking a cornerback third was such an outlier. Yep. Hadn't been a cornerback taken third or higher since uh, Springs by Dallas in the uh, 90s. So, yep. and, and yet, what good team really doesn't have corners, you know, especially these days? Well, and I think corner is very intriguing too because I feel like in college, the system can really make the player more so than the player making the system. And like, if there's a guy that's used to zone and you come into the NFL and they want you to play man most of the time, I mean, that's probably not the guy that you want to go get. And I feel like teams more or less are more confident taking a player a little bit further down than they are high. Now Seattle did take Devin Witherspoon was that last year or the year before fifth overall last year. Yeah. And he's turned out to be one hell of a player, but then you can go look at them on the same team and look at, uh, was it Tariq Woolen or whatever his name was? that was later in the draft, and he was up there for Rookie of the Year most of the year, two years ago. Well, it's Tariq Willen, it, to me, is uh, and, and taken by Seattle, to me, is a contrast that I find kind of fascinating. Uh, because Tariq Willen, uh, when he was at uh, uh, Texas San Antonio, was just an absolute freak when it came down to foot speed, jumping ability, all the tangibles you want in a corner. Uh, he was considered raw, but he was on a great team, but it was a mid-major team. And it was the complete opposite of Seattle when they drafted Richard Sherman about the same time in the draft where Richard Sherman ran the 26th out of the 32 teams or 32 corners that ran at the combine. He ran like a four, five, eight or something. And he was one of the great cornerbacks of his generation. And uh, Woolen, first thing he does is come in the league and have an immediate impact, but it's because of his skill. Yeah. So it's often hard to tell. One of the things with corners, you need size. Uh, that's why I like Quentin Mitchell so much from uh, Toledo, because he's 6'2", and he can play outside. Uh, if you look at free agency, there's a ton of slot corners available, but the outside corners, teams get them and they keep them. Uh, there's no way that uh, you're going to see Jalen Johnson uh, turned loose or some of the better corners that are uh, in the NFL right now that are up for unrestricted free agency. I think if you want a corner, you have to draft them. And you have yeah. to draft them fairly early, not necessarily in the top 15. But if you got a pick later on in the first round and you're a team that needs corners and you're a contending team, and that's been one of your weaknesses, uh, the Lions in Detroit, for example, are, are of that. They need corners desperately. You can't wait until your second pick because there's usually a run on cornerbacks early in late in the first round and early yep. in the second round. That's usually the sweet spot for them to be taken. And this year there's a lot of corners that I really like, but you know, uh, Jar uh, Jarvis Brownlee uh, from Louisville was tremendous at the senior bowl. I mentioned Mitchell, he's the best corner as far as I'm concerned in the draft. But when you take a corner, like say Mitchell or any player now has, have they been devalued if they're not on a power five team? Because any good player on, a, on a, a group of five team now seems to immediately try to transfer to a power five team. 
Sure. I I also wonder too because I mean you'll see corners that go like Byron Jones I think is a prime example who went and ran this four two forty did a broad jump of nine feet or something like that and he never lived up to the hype but I feel like corner yes you need the intangibles when it comes to height weight speed but at the same time I think it's an instinctive position absolutely that you, that you need to kind of guess and be right more so than you are wrong because I mean. The receiver has the advantage knowing where he's going, obviously. So I think you need smarts, you need the talent, but sometimes people look at the blazing speed and guess what? That tenth of a second, if the guy's already by you, it really doesn't help you catch up in the grand scheme of things. No, I agree with you a thousand percent. It's also about your ability to play the ball in the air. Yeah. Uh, there are so many players uh, at the college level that, if you got a really good receiver, if you look at neighbors or you look at uh, Harrison or you look at Dobbs, or not Dobbs, Odunze, who have caught passes that in the NFL corners would stop those passes because they play the ball much better in the air. The contested sure. balls or the balls that are close. Uh, and the other part of it is uh, the ability to shift directions quickly. And the other part of playing corner you have to go up sometimes and take on a tight end or a guard pulling uh, to set the edge. And uh, when you're 170, 180, 190 pounds, you know, you're taking on somebody that's a lot heavier than you. And the ability to fit yourself into space and make tackles low and be like a, a bullet coming in there is a big factor for corners and obviously safeties because they're the last line of defense. And I think safety is an under, undervalued position a lot of times in the NFL draft. If you don't have good safeties at that last line of defense, uh, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, I think it's, it's very intriguing because the more and more you look at, like, mocks and everything, you see some players like like a Cooper DeGene from uh, Iowa that's going to go in the first round probably late. And he's a question mark to me, too, because he broke his leg during the year. And right. Yeah. I don't know how much stock you want to put into a guy that's coming off a broken leg. Well, what do you think about Wiggins from um, Clemson? Do you like his game, Pat? Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, it'll be difficult to tell how it's going to translate, like all corners. Yes. But he's a, he's a player that's definitely uh, belongs in the first round as far as I'm concerned, late in the first round. Uh, you mentioned DeGene. He's an interesting player simply because of his freakish athletic ability. Yeah. You know, uh, you're talking about somebody that uh, was, I think he's the second or third all-time leading scorer in the history of Iowa high school basketball and could have played Division One basketball. And uh, he's, got, he's got a little of, uh, uh, you know, uh, of the Mac McClung thing going when you look at his highlights from his high school basketball. Oh, really? I got a lot, a lot of that now. I mean, they're they're not like he's doing like the the three sixty dunks over his head like uh, McClung, but he's always dunking in the game. You know, he goes right over dudes and you know the That's Iowa great. high school league and just dunks over them with uh, you know one hand jams. So he's an extraordinary athlete and freakish. So and uh, really uh, the corners, the ones I, I I'm having trouble trying to discern. I like Wiggins a lot, and I like Rankinshaw from uh, Missouri a lot. Uh, he's a corner that reminds me uh, quite a bit of uh, some of the better corners in the league because of his size-speed uh, equation. But um, it wasn't that productive. He didn't intercept that many passes and all that, but you can see where it'll translate. 
I don't know about Kool-Aid McKinstry, and I don't know about uh, Kamari Lassiter from Georgia. It's always hard because those guys are on such great teams and he gets so yep. much notoriety sometimes to figure out where they'll be. Like if you watch Quentin Mitchell play at Toledo or you saw him in the senior bowl, you know exactly what he is because you know what's around him. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's very difficult watching Alabama play Georgia and try to sort out who is who sometimes because there's so many good players on those teams and so many NFL prospects. And I haven't really gotten a good line on them. So uh, the corners, and uh, I would say it's not the best draft for edge rushers. Yeah, that, that usually you see one of those guys in the top five year after year after year. And this year, it seems like they're all at the latter stage of the first round. Well, a lot of people, I don't know about Turner from uh, Alabama. I'm not so yeah. uh Verse from Florida State, you know, he was the name that everybody talked about coming in the year. And he's a nice player, but I don't see him necessarily being a dominant edge like some of them that have come into the league uh, recently. And uh, the teams are going to have to make a decision on different uh, edges in free agency. You know, for example, if Barnes is out there, uh, Burns uh, from uh, Carolina, Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, you'd rather, you know, take a flyer and maybe sign him rather than, uh, especially with the extra cap space now, yeah. uh, than draft an edge. Because edges, this is one of, this one of my pet peeves about edges. If you have an edge who can't do anything else and he doesn't get home, he's basically worthless. It's like watching Chase Young uh, for uh, uh, Washington for a couple years and then some with San Francisco, at least until uh, he made some plays against the Lions in the NFC Championship game. It's like, what else does he do? Yeah. So uh, what makes an edge really good is if he's a, uh, a three-down player. and Like, like Burns is a three-down player. Uh, you look at T.J. Uh, 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 Watt from the Steelers. He's a three-down player. Aiden Hutchinson, over 1,000 snaps for the Lions. Uh, those are the type of players that I think have real value uh, because, you know, you're, they're, not, you're, you're, they're not just specialists. They're not one-trick ponies. Even if that is the most important part of defense is the pass rush, I think you still need good all-around players there. So it isn't just about the edge. Yeah, and I think, too, we're seeing the term edge thrown around with, you know, outside linebackers and not necessarily right. your your true DN that's playing with his hand in the ground. And I think that position has evolved a little bit with, you know, the Khalil Max of the world that are getting home like that. But that but you're right, because that's such a different position, because that guy can also play coverage like you were just talking about. But what about the other beefy dudes? What about the D line and the offensive line? Like, it seems like this year's draft is really going to be early on at least, favoring the skill positions. But I, it seems like the obvious first tackle that's getting drafted is Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Do you agree with that, Pat? Absolutely. And Fashionu, uh from Penn State is an outstanding player. Uh, he's a great player. So those two players are head and shoulders above others uh, yeah. when it comes down to the offensive tackles, in my opinion. And if a team is in need of that, those players are there, take them, because both of them are put them at left tackle. Even if you got a left tackle, you can put them at right tackle. But you're going to put them in your line, and they'll be there for 10, 12 years. So yeah. those, are the two, those are the two gold chips in the draft. I love all. 
and love fashion out. Not so much sold on the other tackles that are available. A lot more difficult uh, for me uh, to discern whether they're going to be the real deal or not. Yeah. Now, what about defensive line? Just in regards to, I see the kid from Missouri, the kid that's actually from what Canton, I believe Canton, Michigan. Um, but it seems like defensive tackles are falling a little bit too, where in years past, I mean, there's a kid from uh, Texas. What's his name? Murphy. I think he's a big one. That's up there. What What do you think about the defensive tackles in this year's draft? Uh, Not a great year for it. Uh, There's no obvious uh, player that you would take as an interior defensive lineman. Uh, Like Carter last year, that's just like off the charts, a standout type of player. Um, Again, what happens with interior defensive linemen is they're very scheme-specific. A lot of teams like to put somebody right on the nose and just have you know somebody who's like 340, 350 pounds in there, taking up space, keeping blockers off, and just getting hammered play after play. And they'll have a couple guys like that. And others want to have three technique tackles. And uh, when a team runs a 3-4 defense uh, most of the time, uh, the sweet spot is they have a, you know, like a, you know, 350-pound nose guards. And then to have uh, two uh, what you'd call like 275-pound, 280-pound defensive end types. Um, Instead of uh, two, three technique tackles like you see in a a 4-3. And teams run both of everything. They're doing everything. Sometimes you'll see teams come out in a traditional 3-4 with uh, two stand-up ends, yeah, like uh, the old Oklahoma 5-2, which is defense they've been running in high school since, uh, you know, since the 40s and 50s when yeah. Bud Wilson developed it. It became this, the, the standard defense, and that is what a 3-4 is, two linebackers on the line. And so a lot of times once you get past the, the, the difference makers and you get to, hey, you just want a solid starter – or what they term a lot of times in the NFL is just a guy. You know, somebody you start but isn't really a difference maker, You, it often comes down to scheme-specific. So yeah. there will be interior defensive linemen that star out of this draft, uh, but it's going to be difficult to decide it. I don't see any true difference makers or some dramatic sleeper that I have. Uh, at that position it's the same with linebacker in this draft it's the same thing you know do you think and this is a uh, a selfish question that i'm asking that michigan will set the all-time record for amount of players drafted in one draft this year they have 18 kids that went to the combine maybe you know a lot of teams uh look it's it's different now yeah it's it's different now uh the power five teams which i mentioned earlier uh, when you have a really good team, and Michigan did, you have the extra year of uh, because of the COVID, uh, players could stay and play. You've got the transfer portal. You're going to have stacked decks now uh, of teams, and that'll be reflected in the draft. And Michigan may very well do that. And then they have you know a lot of underrated players that didn't get mentioned much, like Colston. He's a yep. terrific player. Uh, Standard Strill is an older older player, former wide receiver. Uh, I don't know if he's going to test off the charts. He's a little small and everything, but my gosh, was he productive. So uh, that, those are the type of players. Zinner will go early in the draft yep. guard. 
Uh, he's pretty good. I don't see him lasting past the, the second day. So they got a number of players uh, that uh, Michigan had. There, there wasn't a coincidence uh, that they ended up winning the national championship. Their talent level uh, this past year was every bit of what Georgia's been in the past and Alabama and Clemson uh, when they won the championship in Ohio State, which traditionally has uh, done that. And the other thing about Michigan, their offense uh, is more of a pro-style offense that they've been running. They, they pass the ball, but they do it second. After yeah. establishing the run, and uh, it, it, I don't know, it's like somebody like Roman Wilson, who was so good at the Senior Bowl, uh, came out. So, it, it, as being a much more versatile player and able to run a you know better route tree, but the route trees that they have are more like NFL route trees. That's why when I'm talking about JJ McCarthy, uh, who's you know how good is JJ McCarthy because he didn't have high volume passes and everything, but. He made a lot of NFL-style throws this year to get first downs. Those uh, third and seven and, you know, 10-yard yeah. pass in, into tight windows. And uh, the question, how, how well you throw a deep ball, things like that, really didn't get tested that much. Or when the team had to rely on him only to win the game. Like Jaden Daniels, you know, he was Alabama's team. Him and neighbors and Thomas, the other receiver that they had, and chucking it all over the place. Uh, it's the same with uh, Caleb Williams. You can see how he did when everything broke down around him. J.J. Uh, McCarthy doesn't have a lot on tape where it was like a dire, desperate situation, and he had to do it. And the only thing that would remotely come close to that, I think, would be the TCU game, in yeah. which he just, he just had a bad game. They had a bad game. So it's really hard to say that that's kind of like an outlier. You know, like when they judge divers, they take the highest score and the lowest score and throw it out and then look at the middle. Yeah. And uh, that was his lowest score. So, but he's, I think he's pretty good. So they've got a lot of players. I mean, they, there wasn't a mistake that they won the national championship. And it'll be like that Ohio State one year. It'll be Georgia one year. Yeah. It has been. The, the player that I think is the most interesting in this draft is Brock Bowers. You know, it's intriguing, is that, isn't it? Is that going to translate to the NFL? Because I remember the first time I saw him play at Georgia, it was like one of those uh, early games that they were beating the hell out of somebody. I can't think of who it was. And when he was a freshman, and I just looked at it and I said, who's number 19? Look at this guy. But has he grown or is he still the same player he was as a freshman? And when he gets up against players in the NFL, is he going to be a dominant tight end? Will he be a Sam Laporta who came into the league and did so well? Kyle or is Pitts, he going to be close? That's what I was going to say. Is, or is he Kyle Pitts? Well, Kyle Pitts hasn't had a fair chance. No, I don't think so. You know, if Kyle Pitts had a quarterback, you know, he, you know that whole team would take over. Matter of fact, that's what I wrote here uh, for Odyssey.com in the latest columns about Fields. If Fields goes to Atlanta, he's got B. John Robinson – uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, that's yeah. a lot different than, you know, having more for one year and throwing to Cole Komet and you're the leading rusher on the team. Right. You know? So, uh, uh, but uh, I don't know Bowers, you know, he's such a great college player, but is, is it like, Hey man, he was so great at 18, but he hasn't, you know, how players mature through times. And uh, so he'll be fascinating for me. And I wonder when he'll get drafted. You know, tight ends? He could be top 10 or he uh, could be top 20. 
I don't know, know, man. I, I have a feeling he may be a guy that slips. I, I don't know whether that's true or not. I think he's a fabulous player, but I, I find him uh, quite interesting uh, in this draft is, is Brock Bowers, the tight end. Yeah, there's for sure going to be one guy that has an extra night booked in the city of Detroit because he expects to go on the first night and doesn't go until Friday. That yeah, will for I, I, sure happen. But, uh, you know, like say Brock Bowers drops all the way down to uh, you and you're a, like say a 23 or 24 and you're fine with your tight ends. Do you pass on a guy like that because of position? I mean, you know, how much does this position still play into it? You know, we see. Oh, go. I was going to say, and now in today's NFL, I think the tight end is more important than they have ever been before. So more teams are likely to have a two tight end set than just run one out there. And well, I, I everybody, you, every, everybody's running 21 and 22 packages. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's running as a base offense, you know, spreads and running RPOs or anymore. That, that time is done. You know, that little fad that came in for a bit that really never took hold. So uh, I just wonder about Bowers. To me, he's, he's the most interesting player in this draft where he is taken. Because, you know, what would KC be without Travis Kelsey? You know, I mean, come on. You know, we don't know. It's crazy. You know, I mean, he is absolutely fabulous, right? And when you look at the uh, impact that a tight end coming into the league like Sam Laporta had, catching all those balls, I don't think the Lions, they would have lost a game or two more if they didn't have Sam Laporta. And George, and George Kittle, man, you know, that's the ultimate freak, the ultimate outlier, because he is huge in the passing game, obviously, but he's an incredible blocker. You know, this is a guy who face-planted Aiden Hutchinson, you know, uh, so, you know, you're sitting there looking at it, and, uh, you know, I kind of wonder about it uh, with Bowers because he seems to be a one of those generational talent tight ends. But, mm, you know, if I was an NFL team and I was looking at it, I don't know. It's like if I had the 10th pick overall or something, had all these needs, would I take a tight end? You know, even – I just – you know, it's interesting. I mean, Laporta went 42. Uh, Kelsey was, what, a third-rounder? Yeah, I mean, look at Gronk. Yeah. He was the Kittle, same thing a fifth rounder. They're all pretty late, except for what T.J. Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts, essentially, right now that I can right. think of off the top of my head. And Hawkinson's a really good NFL player. He really is, but it's always about well, he's eighth overall in the draft. And Pitts, like I said, I don't think he's really had a fair shake there. But uh, you know, he hasn't. It was like, man, he's such an outlier. He's such a great player. Mm-hmm. Take him, and he was. Yeah, but it hasn't done anything. So that tight end to me is a fascinating position. The other thing, don't look for any running backs to go to like the third round. I'm serious. The the running backs, there's going to be a ton of receivers taken, a ton of corners taken, and everybody's going to wonder when the first running back is coming. Yeah, and I think yeah. when the first one does go, you'll see like a rush of them go all at once. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that's how it tends to go. And the other thing is the free agent class is filled with running backs. Josh yeah. Jacobs, if you wanted him, Saquon Barkley, if you wanted him. I mean, there's tons of backs out there that you can fill the need at running back and do yeah. it relatively cheaply for a premier player. So I'm not expecting running backs to be in great demand in this particular draft. 
Hey, we're getting closer, man. I can't wait for it to happen. And it's in our backyard this year, Pat. Yeah, we're, we're located in Detroit. So it's uh, absolutely incredible. But uh, enjoy talking to y'all. Don't forget to subscribe to us. The Apple iTunes Store, Google Play Store. Download us at odyssey.com. Comment. We hope you give us a thumbs up. We'd love that. And uh, just, you know, check us out. It's Pat Caputo 98 on Twitter. I put the, the podcast on there. Evan's King of the KFC or KC on uh, on Twitter. And you can check out the Facebook page of 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit and the Twitter account, or actually it's now X account. Uh, we always put it up there if you want it. And, again, we do the NFL draft a lot, but also – uh, get into great detail on the NHL draft, the MLB draft, and the NBA draft. And as Evan likes to say, once it gets to be this time of the year, it's our, our time. Because you got a lot of drafts, and we go over all the different player development systems in different sports uh, with a focus on the future. That's what we talk about, what the future is, not uh, dwelling so much on the past. Till next time, we'll see you.